Happy Friday. Pete Callender here, News Talk 1110 wbt The phone numbers, as always, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Email is Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. And follow me on Twitter at Pete Callender. All right, so let's get into the gay marriage. Marriage, shall we? Yes, we shall. Uh, because uh, Tom Tillis has angered some of the, the evangelical associations and groups, particularly in North Carolina, uh, after he was seen as an ally to them when he ran the uh, essentially the state level of a defensive marriage act kind of thing where uh, marriage was defined as one man and one woman. That was about 10 years ago for folks who have newly arrived in North Carolina. First off, welcome to our state. Please leave your previous voting habits uh, at at the border, um, especially if they're the reason why you fled that state. But um, 10 years ago, a little bit, yeah, roughly 10 years ago, there was uh, this law that was uh, proposed, this constitutional amendment proposed to uh, us, the voters, and uh, the voters agreed to put it into the Constitution that marriage would be between one man and one woman. And uh, Tom Tillis used the issue and became Speaker of the House uh, and used the issue to uh, build support among the evangelical uh, uh, coalition. You know, the evangelical base is part of the coalition for the Republicans to maintain the majority and then get a supermajority in the House before he ended up running for U.S. Senate. So uh, as I understand it, there are a lot of people that feel kind of betrayed by what Tillis has done which is to sign on in support of the Respect for Marriage Act, or as I like to call it, the RIFMA. The Respect for Marriage Act is a, quote, narrow but important bill that would do two primary things. First, it would require the federal government to recognize a marriage between two individuals if the marriage was valid in the state where it was performed. Okay, so this this normalizes... The or it streamlines right all of the states so you don't end up which remember we had this when certain states were approving gay marriage uh, and some states were not you know is the marriage recognized in the new state that you may move to and so or if you're you know doing business in and you need uh, contracts drawn up or something or you know you get into a car accident while vacationing and now you don't get access to see your spouse in this in the ICU because you're not, quote, a family member as recognized in that state. So this would normalize, harmonize all of these, uh, all the states to, you know, recognize it as marriage. Second, the bill would guarantee, and I'm reading here from the uh, Senate, uh, well, it's not the actual law. It's not the actual uh, piece of legislation. This is sort of their uh I guess their press release, although it's it, it's not sent out as a press release. It's like their statement. Here's what it will do. And it says, secondly, the bill would guarantee that valid marriages between two individuals are given full faith and credit regardless of the couple's sex, race, ethnicity, or national origin. But the bill would not require a state to issue a marriage license contrary to state law. So I'm not really clear on that. The bill. So it says the bill would guarantee that valid marriages between two individuals are given full faith and credit, but it doesn't require a state to issue a marriage license, contrary to state law. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. 
What am I missing here? The bill would guarantee that valid marriages between two individuals are given full faith and credit, regardless of their sex, race, or national origin, but it would not require... So what else... What other reasons? Why? Oh, maybe if you're related? Is that the deal? If there's a state law that says you cannot be related to your spouse, they're not trying to upend that one? The bill's sponsors worked with their Senate colleagues and stakeholders to develop an amendment to the House-passed bill to confirm that the bill will not lead to the recognition of polygamous unions and has no negative impact on religious liberty and conscientious protections. Okay. So, and then it, it has some bullet points here I'll get to in a minute, but this, this first part here, uh, so they're going to change some House stuff uh, or some stuff that's in the House-passed version, and they say it, it, it's not going to lead to recognition of polygamous unions. So no polygamy. So when we redefined, when we opened up the definition of marriage and said it no longer means one man and one woman, we did not intend, as proponents of gay marriage and supporters of the Obergefell decision at the Supreme Court, which legalized gay marriage, found a constitutional right uh, for gay marriage under the uh, legal precedent of Love Wins, um, then the, uh, the, the redefining of marriage, they obviously did not include the love wins argument to cover love winning among multiple partners. So obviously, I mean, come on, it's right there in the constitution. Love wins except with multiple partners. So this is my beef by the way. And I've, uh, I said this the other day, my position on the, on gay marriage has been the same when we were fighting about it 10 years ago with the, um, uh, with the North Carolina, you know, uh, marriage Amendment, Amendment 1, I believe it was called. Um, the state should not be in the business of regulating this stuff. Create contract law that protects people who enter into contracts, but the marriage itself, is that's a sacrament as ordained by God and churches, and if a church wants to marry gay people, that's up to that church. And if a church wants to marry uh, multiple partners, that's up to that church. That's, it's a religious sacrament. Marriage is a religious sacrament. The state does have a, an interest in, uh, you know, creating uh, uh, these these contracts to prevent people from taking advantage of each other, either uh, during the marriage or after, right? So when you're dividing up assets and that sort of thing, so and also to cover, like, if you have a, a spouse that's in the hospital, you should be able to go visit them if there's you know, the transfer of, of wealth and property after one passes and they want everything to go to their spouse and it's not clearly written out in a will or something, then, you know, next of kin should apply. So all of those types of contracts, civil union contracts, like they, they could have set up reg- an entire regime to cover these instances. And I urged Republicans to do that when they had the opportunity to do so. But they refused. They wanted the marriage to be state sanctified they were adamant with me about it we had many many arguments about it and uh, and i said you know you're gonna you're eventually gonna i mean you can see where this is going it's a generational thing as tom tillis said at the time did you hear about this a couple of weeks ago up in new york a judge opened the door to legal recognition of multi-partner relationships while ruling in a housing court case this is where Obergefell was going to go. Of course it was. And that's what this, this uh, Respect for Marriage Act 
that the Senate is now running, this is what they're trying to to stiff arm. Because, of course, Obergefell was going to open the door for this, as I said at the time. As one who, I just outlined my position on gay marriage, I thought Obergefell was terrible law. It's, it's, I, saw, I got an email here. I'll read it after the break. It's the modern uh, version of Roe v. Wade. They just divined a constitutional right. But if, if the legal rationale for that stands, then how do you, how do you stop multiple marriages? Multiple partners in a single marriage. How do you stop that? You can't. And that's what this judge in New York has determined in a case about somebody getting evicted. But they were a spouse. Oh, no, no, but it wasn't, it wasn't the one spouse. Yeah, but they met all these other definitions of the spouse. They were in apparently a polygamous relationship. So then what? This is going to go back to the court. Now, maybe it comes out with a different decision, and maybe Obergefell gets upended because of it, and maybe that's what prompted this bipartisan agreement to try to forestall that from happening. I don't know. There are some things that I like in the Senate version, the Senate bill. There are a couple things I like, uh, like protecting Jack Phillips, for example, you know, the, the Colorado baker. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Quick reminder, the 29th annual Charlotte Auto Show. It's at the Charlotte Convention Center now through Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, November 20th. And uh, they've got uh, the Family Fun Zone. They've got Chevy offering test drives on site. As I understand it, uh, not through the convention center itself, but probably like on the streets around the convention center. I'm just... It's just a guess, though. You can also check out some of the luxury and exotic brands like Maserati, uh, Aston Martin, Hyundai. They're all there. Uh, dozens of manufacturers displaying the latest makes and models to compare and contrast. Uh, and it's all done in a uh, family-friendly, low-pressure environment. So go check them out now through Sunday at the Convention Center, the Charlotte Auto Show. All righty. So the Respect for Marriage Act... Uh, got, uh, what, 10 uh, Republican senators to support it, including both of the senators from North Carolina, Richard Burr, who's not up for uh, re-election. He's uh, you know, retiring, and that's why we just had the seat open. Um, and Tom Tillis. And uh, I'll get back to Tom Tillis's background here in North Carolina with the Amendment 1 bill, why people are upset with him over that. Even though, like, I'm he, he said that this would probably be the case within a decade. So... I will get back to that. First, a couple of the bullet points that come off of the uh, the info sheet that was put out by the Senate on what the Respect for Marriage Act will and will not do. So it says this amendment protects all religious liberty and conscience protections available under the Constitution or federal law. So this is about Jack Phillips, you know, bake the cake, bigot. Uh, right. This was th- this protects his religious liberty. Where he does not want to have to be forced to participate in some sort of a, a ceremony or celebration or act or event that violates his conscientious objections, right? He, he this violates his religious beliefs, and he should not be forced to do things that violate his religious beliefs. And right, so like I don't know what 
all of the LGBTQIA2A plus folks are going to do in Colorado. As I understand it, he operates the only bake shop in the entire state. No, I'm serious. Like that's there's no other explanation for why he keeps ending up getting sued. There can't be another explanation. There, the only thing I could, the only rational explanation here is that there isn't another bakery. Nobody else will make a cake for you except Jack Phillips in Colorado. And that's why he keeps getting sued. So uh, this will protect his uh, religious liberties. Next, it confirms that nonprofit religious organizations will not be required to provide any services, facilities, or goods for the solemnization or celebration of a marriage. So in other words, you can't force a church or religious group to make available their premises for your event if that religious organization or nonprofit disagrees with the nature of the event. Next, it guarantees that this bill may not be used to deny or alter any benefit, including tax-exempt status, tax treatment, grants, contracts, agreements, blah, 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 and a bunch of other things. Point there is there has been talk on the left about going after churches and nonprofit groups that get the tax benefits for being uh, nonprofits and churches, uh, and to then start taxing them because they're not complying with anti-discrimination laws because they refuse to uh, hold gay weddings on premises, right? Targeting of Catholic churches and such, um, or uh, uh, wedding halls, you know, private wedding halls or ranches and that sort of thing. And so the left goes and they find these places where. Uh, Christians, generally Christians, but also some Muslims, right? Maybe some Jews, I don't know, but there are different organizations, religious or not, and they say our religious uh, belief is that this is not uh, a a religious ceremony. We don't agree with this as marriage. We believe marriage is sanctified by uh, by God and the church, and so we're not going to participate in this event. We don't believe in it, and uh, so then they get sued, and, you know, you got to bake the cake, bigot. So this also then carves out some protection for them. So these things I support because if it's your property, I think you should be able, yes, to discriminate. I I know that doesn't sound politically correct, but people do this all the time. Like, for example, if you've got a a catering hall and the KKK wants to come in and they want to have their annual awards banquet. Does the Klan have an annual awards banquet, actually? They probably do. Yeah, maybe. So. I don't know. I know nothing about this organization, except it's usually just a place where, like, the FBI, you know, plants people in there to to get intel. Anyway, uh, so but if I have a place and the Klan wants to come in, I should be able to say, yeah, no, you know what? I, I, I don't I don't want to have the Klan hanging out at my um, uh, at my catering hall. So that's what this does also. Um It also makes clear that the bill does not require or authorize the federal government to recognize polygamous marriages. Now, this is where I think they're getting into trouble because uh, Obergefell, my understanding of the ruling at the time, you know, you redefined marriage because love wins. Well, um, I don't think you get to limit that redefinition now. Because you've already blown up what the definition was, and you think that somehow or another, now that the horse has left the barn, that you can somehow get it back in or something, or it's not actually loose. No, you don't. 
That's the thing. Like when you when you when you reap the whirlwind, this is what that means. It 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 takes on a life of its own. You can no, you can't put this back in the box or put the horse back in the barn or whatever analogy you want to use. You can't. You've already said let's strip away the definition of this thing and we're going to make up a new definition. You cannot now claim any kind of moral authority or linguistic authority to say, "Oh no, no, you don't get to redefine it." You've already set the precedent, and we know the left is big about setting precedents when it comes to law. Am I right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, you've already set the precedent that you can redefine the word. So if you're going to redefine the word, then I get to redefine the word. And who are you to say I can't? Love wins, man. Love wins. Are you against love? Why do you hate love? News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. So one of the provisions in the uh, Respect for Marriage Act, as they're calling it, because of course, now there's respect for marriage. Okay, um, makes clear the bill does not re- uh, require or authorize the federal government to recognize polygamous marriages. I guess so if some states want to recognize it, that's fine, but... This bill, it does not require or authorize the federal government to recognize polygamous marriages. Okay. Story from September. No, sorry. Hang on, hang on, hang on. It's October. Yeah, yeah, October. This in the Catholic News Register. A New York judge opened the door to legal recognition of multi-partner relationships while ruling in a housing court case. In a ruling on a dispute over a rent-stabilized apartment, Judge Karen May Bakhtarian, we'll just call her Judge Karen, uh, of the Civil Court of the City of New York, opined that the legal protection of same-sex relationships should not be limited to just two people. The case centers on three men. Scott Anderson, who died in 2021, Marquis. O'Neill, who lived with Anderson in the now deceased apartment, or the deceased's apartment, the dead Scott. Scott's dead. Marcius lived with Scott, and Scott's life partner, Robert, who lived at a different location, which of course makes sense. That's what life partners do. So Scott and Rob, they're life partners, but Scott lives with Marcius. Robert lives somewhere else. Scott dies, leaving just Marcius in the apartment. And Rob is still at a different location. So after Scott dies, Marcius has to give up the rent-controlled apartment because according to the landlord, he was nothing more than a roommate. Quote-unquote. But Scott's, quote, life partner of, uh, or sorry, the late uh, Anderson, Scott Anderson's life partner of 25 years was Rob, right? Romano, not Marcius. In her ruling in the case, Judge Karen raised the possibility that the three men could have constituted a family-like relationship. As far as I know, there was not any evidence brought to this case to make that assertion, but I think the judge is just kind of like winging it here, like, hey, you know what? I mean, one could argue. I mean, not that anybody did, but one could argue that their relationship constituted a, quote, family-like relationship. 
the uh, two same-sex union cases, there are uh, two of them in New York. There's one called Brashy versus Stahl or Brasky versus Stahl, as well as Obergefell versus Hodges. Didn't She says uh, that they did not go far enough in expanding the definition of relationships. Judge Karen said in her decision that the definition of family has, quote, morphed considerably in recent decades. In 1989, case Brashke versus Stahl was groundbreaking at the time. 1989, the New York State Court of Appeals, which, by the way, New York is the highest court, which go figure that. But whatever, the highest court in that, in that state became the first American appellate court to recognize that a non-traditional two-person same-sex committed family-like relationship is entitled to legal recognition and that the non-traditional family member is entitled to receive non-eviction protections. The court, in that case, interpreted the rent control law in effect at a time when same-sex marriage was not legal in any state and broadly construed the law to effectuate its remedial purposes Following that law, then you've got the Obergefell v. Hodges decision in 2014, which the judge said, quote, established same-sex marriage as a constitutional right. She took issue with both of those cases, though, both of those opinions for, quote, limiting their holdings to two-person relationships. Instead, she said, the case presents the distinct and complex issue of significant multi-person relationships. Why does a person have to be committed to one other person in only certain prescribed ways in order to enjoy stability in housing after the departure of a loved one? Do all non-traditional relationships have to comprise or include only two primary uh, persons? She says, uh, why then accept for the very real possibility of implicit majoritarian animus Okay, so she's assigning, right, she's assigning motive now, majoritarian animus, that we hate polygamists. There's animosity towards polygamists. Not that there's any kind of logical, uh, you know, uh, and look, I can, I, I, I can see logical, rational, non-animus-related reasons. You know, you end up with cults. Seriously, like you, have, you can have cults that take advantage of people. That sort of thing. I, I can see there being an interest in trying to limit that sort of thing. Um, but I'm not here to argue for polygamy. I'm not here to argue against it. I'm simply pointing out the redefinition of marriage by judicial fiat was, of course, going to lead us to this point. She says, um, I'll re-rack it. She says, why then accept for the very real possibility of implicit majoritarian animus is the limitation of two persons inserted into the definition of a family-like relationship for the purposes of receiving the same protections from eviction accorded to legally formalized or blood relationship. Is two, as the, like the word two, the number two, is two persons, the word two, is that code word for monogamy? Yeah. I don't even think it's a code, actually. I think it's pretty, it's straightforward. That's what, right, isn't that what it is? I mean, think about it. What is the whole point of marriage, right? It's to stand up before God and, and family and friends and to say, I'm not going to sleep with anybody besides this other person, right? <laughs> no, I know it's more than that. But, like, that's what you're saying. So, yes. But what the judge is saying is, well, wait a minute. You guys ripped open the definition, and now you're, you're limiting the redefining of it because of bigotry.
How is this any different of an argument? Of course it was headed here. Now, back when North Carolina adopted its uh, respect for, uh, or sorry, for its, uh, uh, what do we call it here? Oh, it was called Amendment 1. It was a constitutional amendment that banned same-sex marriage and civil unions. That was 10 years ago. And the guy who led the charge on that was U.S. Senator Tom Tillis. But now he's on board with this amendment, the Respect for Marriage Act, at the U.S. Senate level. And he's accused of flip-flopping and selling out and all this. But I'm not so sure because he predicted that this is what would occur. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. A couple of messages here. Uh, First up, here's one from Mike. Pete, can you imagine how much money divorce attorneys could make trying to settle polygamous divorces? It's true. It's a cash cow right there. Um, Let's see here. Dan says, Pete, these are some slow folks indeed. Such a relationship already exists. It's called an LLP, or a Limited Liability Partnership. No need to reinvent the wheel here. Just take each state's statutory code on LLPs and apply it in this instance as well. Easy peasy. Cheers. Um, John says, Pete, uh, you asked whether the Klan uh, has awards banquets or some other form of recognition ceremony. Uh, Yes, they do. It's every four years. It's called the uh, Democrat National Convention. Oh, come on. We kid. We kid the Democrats, the party of the Klan. Um, Let's see here. Joseph says on marriage, in just a few years, it went from, we just want to be treated like everyone else, to, I'm married to nine they-thems, with two of them being my dog and cat, and I'm going to teach your kindergartners all about it. (laughs) The slippery slope is real. Um, So, feel the need to point this out. I had this discussion earlier with a friend um, about this topic, which is, Marriage, like all contract law, legal, right, for a legal purpose, right? So legal consenting adults is your sort of main pillars for contracts. Has to be for a legal purpose. You have to enter into the contract consensually. You're not allowed to be forced into it. And adults, meaning, well, depending on what the definition statutorily of an adult is nowadays, I have no idea. But generally, in contracts, it's like, what, 18 years old or something? Maybe 21 for marriage contracts, maybe younger. Like in some states, I think it's like 12, but what, I don't know, whatever. The key here is that the argument about, you know, cats and dogs and bestiality and pedophilia, like to me, those are bright lines because they don't conform to the legal consenting adults criteria. Now, that being said... <laughs> There are lots of there are lots of examples over the last couple of years here that I mean, look, I've been making this argument ever since the gay marriage issue was, you know, uh, you know, dominating the headlines and talk radio and all this. And I've been making this very same argument, legal consenting adults and the limitations on contracts and all that. I've been making that argument for years, a decade. Gosh, I'm getting old. A decade. I've been making this argument. But a lot of you folks on the left, I got to tell you, you're making it pretty difficult nowadays for me to have confidence in this position because you're doing things that kind of seem like you're trying to get there. You know what I mean? 
whole drag queen thing going on and the, the story hours and the, the strip teases. and Yeah. I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying that this is what you're trying to do, but if you were trying to do it, how would it look any different? That's all. I'm, it's just getting difficult for me to, <laughs> to make these defenses, okay? Not that you should tailor your actions based upon, you know, my ability or any other sane, logical person's ability to defend it, but you might want to consider it. All right, so back in... Uh, when was this? Ten years ago, 2012. Um, and this, all right, so the, the this is from CBS 17. They got a sit-down interview, interview with Tom Tillis the other day, and um, they asked him about this in the wake of the Dobbs ruling. And in that ruling, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas mentioned uh, that, you know, would this be an opening to undo Obergefell v. Hodges? that that may warrant a second look. And I th- and so that prompted the House, the U.S. House, to pass this Respect for Marriage Act. It passed uh, 267 to 157. North Carolina's Republicans voted no, and the Democrats voted yes. Um, it went over to the Senate, and that's how we ended up with this now bipartisan amendment. It's got to get back over to the House and get approved over there. Now, maybe that's jeopardized because of the House majority over there we shall see but tom tillis was asked about why he supported this senate amendment and he said 10 years ago as the then speaker of the north carolina house he led the effort for a state constitutional amendment that banned same-sex marriage and civil unions and he said quote one that is now uh, one is that that now there's nearly a million people who are in same-sex marriages who are reliant on some constancy They reacted when the Supreme Court made the decision, and we can't tear apart spouses. We can't tear apart spouses with families, and we have to recognize that their condition is something that has changed dramatically since 10 years ago. Um, Some Republicans have suggested that it should be left up to individual states. Tillis disagrees. He says, you have to think about a couple that I know in North Carolina that have been in a civil union. Do we really want to say that we'll recognize it in your state, but you may not be able to travel to some number of other states because of a patchwork of different policies. I said this yesterday. I've said it for years. The problem is the attachment of benefits, government benefits that went to marriage. Therein lies the problem. The people who are in same-sex marriages or unions, whatever, they want the same benefits that attach to the recognition That was their argument. Now, when North Carolina did its Amendment 1, defining marriage as one man, one woman, which was then upended with the Supreme Court decision a couple years later, Tom Tillis gave an interview to the NC State University uh, student newspaper called The Technician. He said, quote, it's a generational issue. The data shows right now that you are a a generation away from that issue. If this passes, so he was talking about the bill or the the constitutional amendment that we were all going to get to vote on. He says, if it passes, I think it will be repealed within 20 years. He was already predicting that this is where this was going to go, that, that the younger generation had a different idea 
about this, and it was probably going to get undone. So I think he's been fairly consistent on that. Now, did he did he whip conservative evangelical voters to his side and to the Republican side with this issue? Absolutely. Absolutely. And some of them are, are mad at him now because they feel betrayed. But I think Tom Tillis is positioning himself as a dealmaker, power broker in D.C. I think that's, and this is what he has to do in order to, to get that done. 